Good morning, Evangel. Welcome to today's service. Even though we can't be physically together, we hope that this service gives you a sense of connection and gives you joy. If you haven't already done so, there are three ways on Facebook that you can follow our church and be connected. So you can go to Evangel Pentecostal Church on Facebook, or you can go to the Children's Ministry Facebook page, which is EPC Kids Ministry. And if you have youth, or you are youth, you can go to the EPC Student Ministry page on Facebook. Also, check your junk folder in your email once in a while, as there are emails sent out every week, and we'd hate for you to miss anything. Please continue to reach out to us with your prayer requests, and they will be added to the list. We have prayer meeting every Sunday at 11 o'clock via Zoom, and your request will be added there. Enjoy the service. Have a great day. Know you are missed, but may God's presence rest richly on you. Happy Pentecost Sunday, Evangel. I want to share with you a new song that I just found called Hymn of the Holy Spirit by Pat Barrett. It has beautiful words. It's a beautiful prayer. So sing this along with me. Guide my vision, help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, never Jesus, Christ in all is Christ in me. Let's sing that again. Holy Spirit, guide my vision, help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, never Jesus, Christ in Guide my speaking words of grace and truth abound. Let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that I've found. Sing that again. Holy Spirit, guide my speaking words of grace and truth abound. Let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that I found. You're the light, you're my path, you're the shepherd of my soul. All I am, all I have, Holy Spirit, Verse 1 and verse 2 again. Holy Spirit, guide. Holy Spirit, guide my vision. Help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, never Jesus. Christ in all is Christ in me. Holy Spirit, guide my speaking words of grace and truth abound. Let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that I found. You're the light, you're my path. 
guide my hearing, wake my ears to words you speak. In the thunder, in the stillness, let your voice be clear to me. Let your voice, let your voice be clear to me.
morning, everyone. Today I'll be reading Acts 2, verses 1 to 8 from the Message Translation. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then, when they heard, one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on, and kept saying, Aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and because of that, we're going to take a pause from our regular preaching series, Finding Faith. We'll pick that back up next week, but today we want to focus in on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday takes place seven Sundays following Easter and celebrates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the followers of Jesus on the day of Pentecost. We believe that the Holy Spirit makes salvation possible. We believe that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the life of a person at salvation and continues to work in the life of a believer, shaping them into the image of Jesus. We believe that the Holy Spirit provides gifts to God's people and to the church to advance God's purposes. We believe that the Holy Spirit provides power to individual followers of Jesus so that we can carry out the mission that Jesus has called us to. We believe that the Holy Spirit is with us in times of hardship, discouragement, and hopelessness, bringing good out of perceived failure and brokenness. It is the Holy Spirit's role in working in the seemingly hopeless and chaotic seasons of our lives that I would like to focus on for a few moments with you today. Many of us find ourselves struggling in one way or another these days. We're struggling with social isolation. We're missing our families, our friends. We're unable to be with our aging loved ones who are in assisted care homes. Some of you have experienced job loss. Some are facing financial challenges. Some of you have had significant um, life events canceled or postponed or even minimized. Some of you have experienced the sadness of knowing that a loved one has died alone. And some of you may be struggling with mental health challenges as this pandemic and isolation drags on. Some days, everything seems hopeless. Our world has changed and we wonder, will it ever be the same? We find ourselves grieving our present circumstances. We find ourselves grieving our future anticipated losses. What will the future look like? None of us really know. I would like to remind us today that God has not forsaken us, that he's still at work in the midst of this crisis. And I want to remind us that the Holy Spirit is working in the midst of the hopelessness and the chaos of our lives and is bringing hope and life to us if we allow him. I'd like to share four brief examples of the Holy Spirit bringing life and hope 
out of hopelessness and chaos from the scriptures that I want to choose today. Before we begin our journey, it's important for us to identify two key words found in scripture that are used to reference the Holy Spirit. The first is ruach. And ruach is a Hebrew word because the Old Testament is, was written in Hebrew originally. And so the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. The New Testament, originally written primarily in Greek, uses a different word, the Greek word pneuma, for the Holy Spirit when he is referenced in the New Testament. Both mean the same thing. They mean wind or breath, air in motion, if you will. And like the wind, the Holy Spirit is powerful, mysterious, and unpredictable. Our first example today takes place in creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we read, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. This paints a picture of anticipation and hope. The earth is without form. It is void. There is no order to it. It performs no function at this point. The context is chaos, darkness, the abyss. Water covered the surface of the earth. Deep water in the Bible is often a symbol of chaos and evil. But the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, was about to do something. Something is not right, and it needs to be made right. It needs to be set in order. And our scripture says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. The imagery, the language here, is that of a mother bird who is nesting over her eggs, anticipating life, anticipating hope. The Holy Spirit was nesting over the darkness and the chaos, and he is about to bring purpose. He's about to bring meaning and order out of the darkness, the chaos, and the void. The Holy Spirit is nesting over creation, waiting for the moment for God to speak the word. And as the word of God speaks, the Spirit brought order and purpose out of the chaos. From the darkness and the chaos and the hopelessness came mountains and beaches and sunrises and sunsets, stars and the moon, the trees, the flowers, the animals, the birds, food. From the chaos emerged life as God spoke each into being through the power of the Ruach, the Holy Spirit. Then God formed mankind from the dust of the earth and breathed, it says, his breath. God breathed his ruach, his breath, his air, his spirit into mankind. This very first chapter of the Bible demonstrates the truth that the Holy Spirit brings hope and life out of hopelessness and chaos. The second example is found in Exodus. By the time we reach chapter 3 of Genesis, hopelessness has been restored to God's creation just a couple chapters later. We've witnessed in that time the fall of man and spiritual death. Once again, there's chaos and darkness, a lost purpose, a broken relationship, and lack of meaning to life. 
Once again, God took action. He made a promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation, Israel. And through him, Abraham, and this nation, Israel, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Abraham's offspring would lead to God's sending of a redeemer. In time, Abraham's descendants became enslaved in Egypt. And in order for God's promise to Abraham to be fulfilled, they needed to be redeemed from Egyptian slavery. They must be given a promised land to establish this nation in. And it's going to take an act of power. And so through miraculous power, Moses has been granted permission to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Now things are going pretty well until Pharaoh changed his mind and pursued them. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. And chaos unfolded. God's people are now trapped between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. God instructed Moses to stretch out his staff over the water. And in Exodus 14, 21 and 22, we read, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, a strong east ruach, and it turned into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Deliverance came through the sea, through the chaos, through the abyss. God drove back to sea, it says, with a strong east wind. East wind in scripture always references judgment. It's a judgment wind. East wind was a dry wind. It came off the desert and it brought destruction when it came. The word for wind here is ruach. The Holy Spirit is bringing God's judgment to the Egyptians as he is bringing God's deliverance to the Israelites. As the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of the Red Sea, the sea parted and God's hope was restored to Israel. Once again, on dry land, once they are on the other side, the sea closed, the Egyptians are destroyed, the Holy Spirit brought hope to the Israelites in the midst of their chaos. The third example is Jesus' conception. God honored King David by promising him that his lineage would be the line that brought the Messiah. The term son of David, which was often used for Jesus in the New Testament, is a messianic title. We see that chaos unfolded in Israel over time and the result is that the kingship of Israel failed completely. To the point, in fact, there were no more kings. The people were exiled and scattered to other nations. This created a longing in the Israelite people to return to their homeland, but more importantly, for their Messiah, their king, to come. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, we read, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This is a promise to Israel. Symbolically, the tree of Israel has been cut down, but a shoot is going to spring up from that stump of Jesse. Well, who's Jesse? Well, Jesse was David's father. Currently, there wasn't a king on the throne, but a new king would someday rise from the line of David. And when he did, 
he would restore and redeem Israel. He would ultimately redeem and restore all of humanity. By the time we reach Luke's writings in the New Testament, many Jews have returned to Israel, but they've returned to chaos and desperation. Israel had experienced a failed kingship, a failed priestly system, and now they are lacking even in prophets. The religious leaders have become so fixated on protecting the Torah, the law, that they have become very legalistic, putting great burdens on the people. The law mattered more to them than the people did. We're told that the people were like sheep without a shepherd. To make matters worse, Israel was a conquered people living in their own homeland. Rome, the great empire, controlled their homeland, governed over them. Israel lacked political power, and they were heavily taxed by Rome. The dominance of an outside empire had created resentment and hatred, conflict and chaos. People were more desperate than ever for their Messiah, their King, to come. In Luke 1, the angel Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary, and he said to her, You have found favor, and you're going to have a son, and his name is going to be Jesus, and he is going to be great. And he's going to be called the Son of the Most High. And God will give him the throne of his father David. The time had come. The Messiah is about to appear. And Mary is confused because she's a virgin. And so she said to the angel Gabriel, How is this even going to be possible? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the spirit of the most high will overshadow you so the holy one to be born will be called the son of god the pneuma will come upon you the holy spirit the pneuma he will overshadow you the word overshadow means to be close enough to someone that you cover them in your shadow your shadow falls on them. It's the idea of hovering over. Like we see in Genesis, like we see in Exodus, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, would once again hover over the chaos and the conflict in Israel and create life and hope in bringing the Messiah. Fourthly, we're going to look at the example of the resurrection. As Jesus carried out his ministry, many accepted him as the Messiah, but many more rejected him. For the most part, the religious leaders saw him as a blasphemer. He was not what they expected the Messiah to be. In their minds, what they were thinking and expecting was something completely different than Jesus. Jesus' very ministry created conflict and chaos within the Jewish culture within the Jewish context. Jesus' ministry and purpose was heading towards completion, and it would culminate at the cross, because we know that Jesus came to die. As his ministry was building, so was the conflict, the chaos, and the hatred from the principalities, from the powers, from the rulers. Jesus arrived in Jerusalem and he was arrested. He was falsely accused, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was spat upon, and finally the ultimate humiliation, he was publicly crucified. 
his followers, who never really understood the meaning in his teaching, were scared, were scattered, and even went into hiding. They were confused. They were disappointed. They were devastated. To them, this was not how this was supposed to play out. Life would never be the same. What once held hope and promise was gone. There was now chaos. There was conflict. There's hopelessness. Jesus was dead. Their hopes were dead. Their future was dead. Their plans were dead. It was clearly over. Or was it? You see, when Jesus died, the earth went dark. There was an earthquake. The temple veil tore in two. Graves were opened. There was darkness. There was chaos. Jesus was placed in a dark tomb. The Bible doesn't give us much information on what happened during that time within the tomb. He was killed, buried, and guarded by soldiers. Now, remember, God's redemption plays out against a backdrop of chaos and conflict. And so when the women arrived on the third day, the stone was rolled away. Jesus was risen. Now, in Romans 8, chapter 11, Paul gives us insight into the Holy Spirit's role, the Numa's role in the resurrection. And he says this, if, And if the spirit, or the Numa of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Like at creation, like during the Exodus, like at the conception of Jesus, when things were in chaos, when things seemed hopeless, the Holy Spirit, the Numa, the Ruach, hovered over and brought forth life. The Holy Spirit is once again working in the chaos, hovering over the cross, hovering over the grave, anticipating the emergence of new life, of new creation. Paul makes it very clear that it was the Numa, the Holy Spirit, that raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness and the hopelessness. And what appeared to be out of control was in God's control all along. Many of you today are experiencing fear, chaos, and hopelessness in your life. You've lost your job. Some of you are struggling to not lose your business. You may have poor health, a broken marriage, a challenging family situation. Perhaps you've lost a loved one. You're facing financial stress. You're facing difficult circumstances. Maybe you're looking for direction. You have decisions to make and you don't know what to do. Things appear to be out of control, chaotic, dark, and hopeless. But I want to remind you today that the Holy Spirit is hovering over your fear, over your chaos, over your darkness, over the hopelessness in your life. And his specialty is bringing life and hope and purpose out of our hopelessness. There are four brief observations that I'd like to draw from what we have considered this morning. The first from Genesis, we see that God can make something out of nothing. God can make something out of nothing. 
God has demonstrated that he can create something out of nothing. Now, we often point to our circumstances and say, there's nothing there to work with. It's all gone. But God doesn't need anything to work with. He can create something when nothing exists. The second thing we learn, we learn from Exodus, and we learn this. God's timing is always perfect, even when it doesn't align with ours. God's timing is always perfect, even when it doesn't align with ours. God's timing may not be our timing, but his timing is perfect. The turning point for the Israelites, the time of deliverance, came at daybreak. Following a dark night, they would have preferred to not have struggled through the dark night. But the struggle is important. The struggle will strengthen us, will make us, and change us. And when the time is right, God will act. The third thing we learn from Jesus' conception is that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. We may doubt, we may get tired of waiting, we may be angry, but God will come through. It may not always be how we want, it may not be as we expect or as we like, but he keeps his promises to us. And finally, from the resurrection we learn, God gives us both eternal and abundant life. Paul said, if the same pneuma, if the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will bring eternal life. Now we need to understand eternal life. I believe we often think in terms of someday, down the road, when this life is over. But eternal life has two dimensions to it. The first is the everlasting dimension. That it doesn't end, that it is eternal, and it does have a future idea attached to it. But it also has a second component known as abundant life. We are connected to the eternal God even now in this life through Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. And that makes our life here even richer. His life pours into ours, gives us meaning, gives us purpose, gives us forgiveness, hope, love, and acceptance. And because he lives, we too shall live. Abundant life now, and eternal life ultimately. Folks, I want you to know as we conclude this morning, God has not forsaken us. He's still at work in the midst of the crises that we're facing. And the Holy Spirit is working within the hopelessness and chaos of our lives to bring life and hope to us.
Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that your Holy Spirit hovers over the chaos and hopelessness of our lives. I pray for those who are watching or listening today. I pray that if they are facing chaos and hopelessness, that they would look to you and be reminded that you have not forsaken us, that you are still in control. Would you bring peace? Would you bring comfort? Would you bring strength? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us today. If we can be of assistance to you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Call us or email us. God bless you and have a great week.